This show is brought to you by Nice Mug. Nice Mug is the only mug made entirely out of ice. For more information, go to nicemug.com and enter the coupon code SAUNA for 10% off your entire purchase. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Sauna Talk. And today on the bench, we are joined uh, with John Breitinger. And John is a uh, Minneapolis resident, and he is quite an acclaimed commercial real estate developer, has um, been in that field for a while and is doing some major consulting work in that field with a large bank and uh, has a cabin about two hours north and east of Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota. And at this cabin, uh, it's a very old school cabin with uh, a few outbuildings, as you'll hear described in this episode, um, one of which is a garage built in the probably 1930s. And he got to scratching his head and thinking, well, this would be an ideal place for an authentic sauna. So I encourage you guys to check it out. It is um, He's a great photographer as well, and he captured the, um, the, the building of the sauna. And um, in addition to that, uh, you'll see, you know, a real meticulous approach to his sauna building effort. Uh, Being, you know, a commercial real estate developer, he's well familiar with all of the aspects to a project. um, And he applied, he leaned into his build in in much the same, uh, with the same rigor and enthusiasm. Um, with this sauna project. But there's two things about John that I wanted to make uh, note about. Um, Number one is he fell into the authentic sauna experience, much like many of us uh, with uh, uh, travel overseas in Europe, Northern Europe specifically. Um, And that stayed in his bones like uh, it does with a lot of us, including myself. And he brought that... um, feeling back, you know, with him to America, and he was able to realize the build of uh, his own sauna so that he can experience that same feeling again. And um, so there you go. So that's uh, one important element to this. And, you know, the other is, as you'll hear, John's a deep, soulful appreciation towards the healing nature of sauna uh, at, with within oneself and also as a community um, gathering uh, opportunity uh, based on his experience with the Native American Sweat Lodge, the adaptation of that practice um, as a healing and uh, bonding um, um, potential uh, element for for people. Um, I think that comes through well in this uh, interview. So, uh, I didn't want to go on and on, but I wanted to introduce you to John um, through through my my world. Um, again, sauna keeps giving and giving, and uh, the authentic sauna uh, draws just so many great people into my life. I'm very grateful for that, and John is um, a, a, one of those examples. So without further ado, please welcome John to Sauna Talk. Here we are on the sauna bench, and 
it's a really cold day. You know, this has been a hell of a winter here in Minnesota. Um, we had great ice. Do you skate, John? I do. Yeah, did you skate on any of the lakes? I did, yeah. It was yeah. extraordinary this yeah. year. Where did you skate? Which lakes? Lake of the Isles yeah. and uh, our, our lake up in northern Wisconsin. Oh, you had clear ice up there? We did. Yeah, and um, I'm going to introduce to you uh, uh, John. And you guys know of John from the sauna that he built. And um, uh, it just was a remarkable project. Um, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, John? Like your background, where'd you grow up? and yeah, I, um, I grew up in north central Ohio, went to Ohio State University and, and moved to Minnesota the day that I graduated in 1981 and uh, fell in love with this place. Um, other than the year and a half that I spent uh, primarily in, in Europe, I've, I've lived here all of my adult life. Yeah, and what, what drew you to the Twin Cities of Minneapolis? You know, my family had a business in uh, Ohio that I intended to go back and, and become a part of, but I knew I needed to go prove myself first. And the community that I grew up in, um, Mansfield, Ohio, is uh, one of those towns that's kind of a subsidiary of Detroit that, uh, that really has been in a kind of an economic downward trend since the oil embargo in 1972. And so combination of things. My, uh, uh, my my grandfather who led the business died earlier than I expected and you know the region the the kind of the sub-region there's a lot there's a lot of great stuff in Ohio but the the area that I grew up in has uh, has really not produced a lot of economic opportunity and of course once I came here I really didn't want to live anywhere else. Um, I just fell in love with this city and and you know what lies beyond i'm a i'm a bush pilot and um, I, I have a cabin up in northern wisconsin and you know i just love i live in downtown minneapolis in a condominium um and i spend a lot of my my weekends and time in the in the wilderness both up in the boundary waters and at my cabin and i've just fallen in love with this region mm. Man, I knew you and I had stuff in common, but I never knew we had this in common. Um, I grew up in Buffalo, New York. The same kind of economic uh, yeah. troubles. Yeah. Um, I came to this town and just fell in love with the city itself. And one of the great things about this city is the nature that surrounds it, as you well described. And uh, I moved in 1988, and in 1989 I, owned, I bought my own island on Lake Vermilion up there. Because that was a commitment I made to myself. I squirreled away some cash, and it was kind of a neat thing to be a taxpayer uh, in two one eight, you know, yeah. up there and not own in Minneapolis at the time. And uh, I yeah. love it. Are you able to use it in the winter? Uh, th uh, theoretically, yes, but practically, uh, no, because um, it's such a wimpy excuse. I mean, I can get up there and ski from you know my car across the lake, about close to a mile. And the cabin warms up nicely. It takes some time, but there really isn't much excuse. I mean, I mean, it's a practical thing um, that it's just been such a busy time. And what a lame excuse, isn't it? John? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but well, you, I think, you know, we love the, uh, and that was, I mean, I, my heart is really in Ely and northern Minnesota, that uh, Canadian Shield. But you know, we went through the same uh, kind of soul searching and and really decided that being two hours away 
being able to drive in um, was was really what was going to make it work while my yeah. daughter was growing up and I was working. And um, you know, I bought a I bought an old place that was built around 1900 and extensively remodeled in 1927. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've had a lot of fun kind of fixing it up. Uh, yeah. And, and you to... you bought your cabin in Western Wisconsin what year then? So I bought it the year my daughter was born, so uh, she's 19, so I've had it almost 20 years. About 20 years. And it was, I had a place before it, just a few hundred yards away, that was uh, barely a step up from a tar paper shack. Yeah, right on. But the proximity, this is um, this is another interesting thing of our, uh, your heart is where my heart is, up, up toward Ely, but the practicality is a different story. Julia's... My wife is uh, actually sniffing around with the idea of us getting a little closer to town. So, isn't it funny how that works? Well, and you know the the beauty of it is that it has allowed it to really be a part of my life. And um, um, you know, it's not uncommon. I like to ski the Berkey, and and uh, in the years when I'm able to do that, I'm training with people. We'll take off at noon, go up and ski a couple of hours. We'll stop and light the sauna on the yeah, way yeah come back and and uh relax spend the night and get up and repeat yep. the cycle in the morning and be home for you yeah. know whatever is going on saturday night and yeah. you can't really do that going to the no to the boundary water two hours is about the reach isn't it yeah 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 neat so you um let's fast forward a little bit you have your cabin <clears throat> and if you could tell the listeners a little bit about the layout of your your property you mentioned it's it's old it's got a lot of old character built in the early 1900s you yeah say. and and tell us about the property itself and the buildings so when i when i bought my first place we had um, my then wife and i had been looking for quite a while and uh, you know we wanted a cabin and that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people uh, today uh, many of the places we looked at were were um, you know, very extravagant lake homes, and and you know we wanted something that that was comfortable. You know that we could use all year round, but that, you know where we'd feel comfortable coming in in hunting boots, and uh, um, that would it would be the center of a different kind of life than we have here in the city. And uh, when I found the first place, we walked in, and um, uh, after looking at fifty places, said, "We'll take it," and mm. didn't. Didn't think about it for ten minutes. Yeah, it just spoke to you. And the second place was like that. It it uh, was a storied old place. Had been in the same family uh, since 1927, and and as many families do, they had gotten to the point where the remaining heirs were were scattered around the country. And if it's too too hard to get to Ely, you know, it yeah. was it was uh, an order of magnitude harder for them to come from other states and. Uh, they had a lot of interest in the place, mostly from people. Um, when I bought it, I had 22 acres with um, 850 feet of frontage, and um, most of the folks who were interested were developers that were going to subdivide it and put in, um, you know, anywhere from six to seven sure. cabins. And uh, I told them that, um, you know, we we loved it for what it was, and uh, uh, but we couldn't afford it. Um, my daughter was about to be born. We were remodeling an old house here in Minneapolis. We were yeah. seriously over our heads. And, you know, it's one of those things where uh, your heart speaks to you. And, and the, the women who were selling the place uh, that had been their mother's home all mm-hmm. her life 
uh, just wanted us to have it. And yeah. so um, we, we made a deal and uh, we, we made it all work out. I nice. have a wonderful neighbor that I sold one parcel to. And uh, so we still have about 16 acres. And, uh, um, you know, we're able to comfortably practice Scandinavian sauna up there where we can uh, uh, walk around outside naked and not bother a soul. Right. Sounds wonderful. <clears throat> There's a house, the old homestead. Right. What other buildings on the property? So it came with, in, in 1927, they built um, a series of outbuildings. There was a woodshed that was a 10 by 20 structure, a, a three-car garage that's about 20 by 30, and an old ice house that's probably 20 by 20. And um, those, those structures are all uh, um, vertical log structures, which wasn't a building technique I was super familiar with, but it was apparently in that period of time really popular up there. They would mill a log flat on one side, then index the other side. And these would be seven to maybe nine inch logs, kind of an average of, of uh, about eight. And they'd put them together in a slab and kind of wrap at the top and the bottom so that there'd be both a, a sill and a I don't know top what plate. Mean, a top plate, and um, and then they were they built them on uh, on a a slab and a and a concrete foundation. Mm -hmm. So they're and great structures. Great structures, and this wood was obviously harvested right on site. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> what tree species to put you on the spot? Would you guess? You know, it, so we've got a lot of white pine, red pine, and jack pine, and. I should know that, and I don't. No, it's okay. I mean, I, I, I you know, as I think about it, they probably are um, a various species of pine. White. Oh yeah, they're for red. sure a, a, yeah. a soft pine. Yeah, and and what would be the average diameter, like maybe? You know, it's uh, the the average thickness of the wall is a little more than six inches. Yeah, yeah. So a common building technique at the time, um, what they were certainly doing is milling the trees on site. And, and if they were taking down larger trees, they were probably pulling sections of comparable diameter to right. make that wall. Yeah, they had a, I've got old photographs. They had the stuff, you know, the way you'd, you'd uh, cut limber and you'd lumber and you'd sticker it to dry. They had piles of this stuff that they, they built these from. Yeah. I've got an old outhouse that's still there. Probably need to salvage that. Mm -hmm. And then they, uh, they built a, a dry boathouse down on the shore, a 10 by 20. Uh, we kind of use it as our front porch <laughs> at, yeah. the, at the water because uh, yeah. I'm, I'm about 25, 30 feet above the lake where mm -hmm. the cabin is. And then a little pump house. And, and uh, then there was uh, one final structure. They built a, uh, a 20 by 40 structure that they had three box stalls and a tack room in because their, their grandchildren were into horses. And it was designed to be, you know, converted later into a, uh, a guest house. Um, when I bought it, those buildings were all still there. You know, fundamentally sound, but needing some TLC. So let me try to add them up. <clears throat> um, add them up for me in, in simple form. <laughs> I know the 10 by 20 garage. So I've got the uh, cabin. There's uh, the, the old woodshed. Mm -hmm. the, the 20 by 30 garage. The ice house. The um, stable building. The little boathouse, and uh, and then there was also a pump house uh, mm -hmm. right next to the boathouse, and if I didn't say it, there's there's the outhouse and the cabin. Yeah. 
So quite a number of structures and let's fast forward a little bit towards sauna. Um, the idea came about in your head. You had this idea for a few years, right? Sauna. Your well, when I when I uh, so my first wife was German, and when I started traveling and uh, working a little bit in Europe, um, I spent a winter in in Stockholm and was able to uh, get to know uh, the the Swedish sauna culture. The truth is, where I really learned sauna culture was in Germany, and uh, I just fell in love with it. It just uh, Fell in love with the uh, the really the long, leisurely, uh, sensual afternoons of uh, just sitting and relaxing and talking and uh, and there you know everybody's naked which is um, took took a few minutes to get used to but it leads to a quality of uh, of openness and conversation that's hard to find and uh, boy I'll tell you it just seeped into me and I've, I've loved it ever since and at what uh, what stage did you um, how long ago did you decide hey I want this at my cabin well I was the 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 bulk of the time that I was really spending in Europe was 1988 and 89 and um, it was right before the the wall fell I came home in September of 89 and um, um, you know that it was so deep in me that I, I just couldn't wait to build build my own sauna at that time. And you know I can't honestly tell you, Glenn, why I didn't. Um, <laughs> life intervened. You know my yeah. my my marriage fell apart. Uh, although I'm still dear friends with my first wife. Um, just just visited her in December. And uh, but for whatever reason, you know I I uh, it, it is been on my bucket list and I and uh, when I bought this place it was at the very top of the list and I'll tell you what happened is everybody that I consulted with on this said you know you got to do this down by the lake and you know I'm separated by grade you know somewhere between 25 and 35 feet depending on where you start wanted to do a wood burner uh, didn't want to schlep wood up and down the hill and and I couldn't really create the kind of um, resting room, changing room uh, there that I wanted to. It was a, would have been a really nice sauna, but um, it just, I just could never pull the trigger because I just could see mm. it being a lot of work mm. and not being really quite the right thing. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. When you say quite, not quite the right thing, I think I follow you. It's, um, it's so darn wonderful to walk, you know, three, four steps out of the hot room door out to a dock and jump right in. But if this destination is tough to get to, tough to transport wood. You're down there, and it's like, oh, you want to go back up and make yourself a cocktail or whatever. It's a, it's a different time zone to get up the hill, right? Well, and Glenn, I mean, you know, um, sauna culture. I mean, when uh, I, I'll go out and start the fire, and I built a, a bigger sauna to accommodate, a, a, you know, a larger group of people. Um, but I'll typically go out and light the fire uh, on an afternoon when I'm working outside splitting wood or working in the yard doing something and um, you know we'll have a light lunch and and you know our sauna will usually start sort of late afternoon early evening and you know we'll do three or four you know average probably 15 minute rounds in the in the hot room but you know the real experience happens in that uh, in that 
the resting room. You know, you, you come out, you're sweating the most you're ever going to be sweating, and that next 10 minutes is really important to that experience. And then the, the cool down and just the conversation continues. And, and um, so it was really important to me to have a beautiful and comfortable place. And of course, you know, having traveled around Scandinavia, I, I knew of these buildings as not really extravagant places, but but kind of the center of family life. And, and you know, children are born there and guests stay there. And, and uh, you know, in the summer, there'd be card games out there and, and, um, uh, and dinners. And, and uh, so, you know, when I, when I got to the point where um, my daughter was uh, growing up and about to leave and I was single again and, and you know, wanting to really use my place as a camp, a place to gather people, um, you know, I really, really reimagined the, the sauna and I, I opened my eyes and, you know, the perfect building was right there. Mm. And that was which one? That was the, what, what was my woodshed? It was this 10 by, by 20 uh, structure. You okay yeah. with a little break? Sure, sure. <clears throat> One more shot of water or are you walking? You know, I didn't bring water with me. That to drink? I got some drinking water. There. Oh, good. Yeah. But the 10 by 20 spoke to you. It did, yeah. I'm going to step out. Yeah, we're still going. Okay. <laughs> I, I like the sound of the water on the rock. Sometimes when I re-listen to these, <laughs> people will say, oh, are you really recording in the hot room? And I go, <laughs> I think that's part of the continuity of sauna talk. Yeah, you know? we are. And it's, uh, we're, we're almost at the perfect end of a first round. Yeah, but... we are. And I, I like how you didn't dash for the door. It, it shows me you're not a sauna novice. Like, no, no. Does this heat feel familiar to you? Oh, yeah. That yeah. steam is just like coming home. Yeah. And, and you know, the... The sound of the, the stove expanding and uh, yeah. the sound of the steam, the, the, the smell of the sheet metal and, and that little hint of wood smoke uh, mm -hmm. are, are one of those deep visceral memories. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, also the sound of the air moving mm -hmm. through the fire. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a, it's a very soulful thing for me. And for me too, John. If you were to close your eyes, um, and take in this feeling, um, and I'm doing that right now, does this feel right now any different than your cabin sauna? No, it's, it's the same deal. It's yeah. wood heat and... Uh, it's a universal, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And, yeah. and frankly, it takes me back nearly 40 years to uh, Scandinavia. And for me too. Yeah. And for me too, brother. It's, uh, it's beautiful that we're able to uh, replicate it. Reproduce it. Well, and part of what really triggered this for me is I'm uh, I'm part of a men's group, and you know we do weekends together around the country. And and one uh, one aspect of that is a uh, uh, a cleansing and purification ritual. And we're we're careful about the language we use mm. because a lot of what we've done, you know, is really appropriated from the, the Plains Indians. Um, but when I realized the, the magic of um, that time together with a group of, uh, of people, yes, um, that, that really brought a new urgency to building out my sauna. So, so do you think the Native Americans would get pissed if you said, uh, 
sweat lodge with a different accent? <laughs> you know, I, I, what I've discovered is that uh, um, I have a deep empathy for those men, and there are a lot of different sensitivities. I think that yeah. what we all agree to is um, what we hold in common, and uh, I try to be very careful with with my language, and yeah. I, I I don't know Glenn, but uh, yeah. that makes me want to be super respectful. <laughs> so you know the interesting thing about cultural appropriation is that this you know this whole sauna thing came from another culture, and um, one of the things I love about it is that that uh, you know you find it in Nordic places, um, the the Inuit. Used sweat lodges, the the uh, the Plains Indians, certainly the the Scandinavians and the Northern Europeans, all the way across. And uh, uh, thankfully, the Finns don't begrudge us anything, um, because I what I really have tried to replicate is that that authentic feeling, um, you know, really rustic, rough but clean place that's comfortable, you know. Agreed. Agreed. And it's simple. The, the, yeah, you nailed it with those three, uh, those three adjectives there. Let's try to let me try to reframe them: rustic, clean, simple, and comfortable. Comfortable. It's yeah, a four. it's a place that uh, you know. I think everybody just walks in and exhales and, and yeah. feels good. And yeah. uh, one of the things I've learned from the Native American men and in their. Uh, uh, purification and cleansing ceremonies. It's a little different, you know, we, we build the, the um, structure out of willows. We cut the willows by the, by the river and then cover it in, in blankets and branches. And this is where? Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the ones that I've participated in have been in uh, uh, Sioux City mm -hmm. and, uh, and then in, uh, down on the uh, prairie in southwestern Minnesota, just out in the middle of, you know, true prairie. Yeah. And before we build the, the structure, uh, you know, I think of it as a lodge. Um, and these are probably, gosh, um, 15, 20 feet across. And we'll have, you know, 20, 25 men in there. Uh, we'll dig a pit. And uh, they're, they're heated differently than our saunas, um, but ultimately it's the same thing. You get a, a big mass and get it real hot. So <clears throat> when you say heated differently, it's the fire on the outside, heating rocks, hot rocks brought inside. Right. So we so we all bring. Think of you know grapefruit to bowling ball size, mostly granite rocks, and build a, a massive fire on top of them so that. You know they're red hot. They're yeah. they're glowing, and uh, the men all file in, and the uh, and and a, the the person who's tending uh, uses a pitchfork to hand in the grandfathers the the hot rocks, yeah. and so we start with a few, and they'll burn some uh, sage and sweet grass and a little bit of tobacco, and uh, there'll be drumming and chanting while mm -hmm. while we're in there, and mm -hmm. uh, you know if you, you kind of step back from it. And superimpose the you know the Christian Northern European uh, you know the Finns would say you behave in the sauna the way you do in church it's yeah. a it, it's a very similar you know it's a very soulful time it is and, and uh, if I could interject the the process through uh, a Native American sweat lodge is one in which you're in the room the whole time yeah so so 
they, they bring in water and um, after smudging the, with the uh, with the aromatic um, herbs and tobacco, um, there's some drumming and they add water to the hot stones and of course the humidity comes up. And you know, it's rounds about like ours. Um, and then they open the, the lodge and, and uh, if there are any men that need to leave, they're able to do that. And, uh, and after a brief rest, a few more of the grandfathers come in and we ended up completing typically four rounds and uh, it would get progressively hotter. Yeah. Uh, it's just awesome. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It's uh, more alike than different. Agreed. And from start to finish, how long would the process be, these four rounds? As long as it takes. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I wish I knew, Glenn. I, yeah. You, know, you, I you would, lose track of time. I totally do. I, yeah. You know, I would have to guess that it's probably not real different, maybe a little shorter than, than what we do. We find that our evenings in the sauna end up stretching out to two and a half, three hours. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's probably more like two hours. Yeah. But this is a difference in that these uh, all of these two hours are spent in the hot room. Yeah, and and the big difference for me is I'm sitting, you know, with my legs folded. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, at my age, I'm not as limber as I, I know, used to be. I know. It's kind of nice to get up and walk around it is. the way we are. True. But it, you know, it's interesting. It takes me back to to my time in Germany with the uh, with the Saunameister and the Aufgas. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they, I don't know if you've experienced that, but they do a very similar thing mm -hmm. and, uh, they just have more rules. Yeah. 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 And the clock is running. <laughs> yeah. It's to the minute, isn't it? Oh my yeah. God. Isn't it interesting that, I mean, you, you couldn't come up with more of a cliche about it, how mm -hmm. the Germans have adopted the, uh, Finnish sauna ritual to their own and created structure to it. Yeah, for sure. And, and I know the Finns, I know a lot of Finns and stuff and, you know, there's all these different um, orthodox views of what is sauna and what isn't <laughs> what is sauna. It? Yeah, yeah. But I, I, hey, I like it all. I, I know you do too, John. Yeah. I like it all. Uh, you know, I've done the Temescal experience. I've, I've had a Native American sweat lodge experience. Um, I am drawn to the free form of the Finnish style. I like I it. I, I like it. I, hey, what we're doing now. I, how could it get any better? <laughs> yeah. Well, this, this sort of the community that, that, that grows out of time together, standing around half dressed or, or naked either way. Yeah. Um, yeah. In, you know. And in nature too, in, yeah. as we cool down in yeah. our rounds. And, you know, it's interesting how, I mean, I could get on a whole soapbox about sauna and, and, and you and I will, we are, <laughs> you know. but, but there is this thing where when you talk to people about sauna, um, they think hot room. They think sauna is yeah. a hot room. Yeah. And it couldn't be any more from the truth. It's a component of the experience. Yeah. And and what you've created at your cabin is uh, you know, a sauna experience through multiple zones. And you so aptly point out the importance of your cool down space. Yeah, it wouldn't be what it is without that. I mean, it's, that's, and, and, you know, we designed it. So I, I built, I think I showed it to you, a, a, a sauna bench for the, for the resting area that actually folds down into a full-size bed that we can drop a futon or an air mattress. And that was on. a custom piece of furniture. Yeah, we built it right there. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I loved working on this project and I realized that it was going to be, uh, two years if I did it all by myself. And yeah. so um, I was really fortunate. Um, Jeff Caston, who's 
whose uh, father-in-law was uh, uh, the guy who built the structure in 1927, um, has helped me around my place for the whole 20 years I've owned it. Yeah. And when I called him and described it to him, I think he was scratching his head thinking, oh my God, there's another 6-1 tour <laughs> with a nutty idea. But, you know, he fell in love with it. And uh, uh, I'll be surprised if it doesn't become a meaningful part of his business because, um, you know, once, once I think people have this experience, it's... Uh, What's the, the Scandinavian word that's going around? The ho- ho- oh, yeah. The, it's a Danish word or, for... Hoogie. Ho- hoogie. H- H-E-G-G. H-Y. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, uh-huh. Cozy, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, we live in a, in a four-season culture. We all love nature. We love being outside. And, and this is such a sensual experience um and and you know and it's a great shared experience too. yeah agreed with that so it wasn't hard for you to isolate what you call the the garage slash woodshed as as the spot for the sound of it no the minute i i looked at it and and thought about it i walked in the house and i googled uh sauna in the midwest and i found I actually I, I called you that day took you eight hours to get back to me (laughs) 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 bought your book and uh um the the, you know all i needed was a collaborator and and i ended up with a few (laughs) i relied on you for uh for technical and uh cultural experience and and um my friend sherry and and uh my uh, uh, craftsman Jeff, uh, and you know, we we just kept working it, and it turned out in some ways pretty different than we expected. Mm. I uh, I had expected to build a whole insulated cedar envelope inside, and yeah. you know, when we put up that that hot room wall and looked at it, I thought, oh my God, these these logs are gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. And there's you a- integrated them so well, and I know that was a point where we were talking about, you know the insulated value of the existing wall as its own versus, yeah. um, you know, altering that wall and creating, you know, more, more insulation there. But you ended up keeping the original wall. Yeah, the, it, the, the entire perimeter is the original walls. We ended up, um, there was one window that kind of drove where we put the other windows mm-hmm. and where we put the wall. Um, not sure if I would really change much of anything. I think the proportions worked out really well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I ended up um, going with the with the medium sized Kuma stove, um, and you know when I when I I don't know what how is your place pretty cold soaked when you started up? Yeah, I mean it's it was twenty degrees here uh, two hours ago. Yeah. So when I uh, you know when I've been using mine this winter it's been anywhere from 20 to 20 below yes and uh, it's a cold start (laughs) i'm gonna get you some more water and then we'll go in the hot room sounds great yeah keep talking though all right yeah keep talking so it was uh it it was it's a cold start and it takes you a while yeah it's a you know it takes anywhere from two hours to three hours depending on how aggressively i stay on it and and where what we're starting from but, um, you know, what I do is uh, uh, most of my guests like a little warmer resting place. Yes. And, and I like to encourage the, the hangout. Yes. So for the first hour and a half to two hours, um, I leave the door open and I put, a, uh, I put a ceiling fan in the hot room so that the... Uh, 
it moves the air around pretty well. Nice. And uh, usually after about two hours, I'll come out and we'll be at, you know, 150, 160 in the hot room and, and uh, you know, coming up to 70 in the, in the relaxing space. And uh, when we close the, the hot room door, um, you know, we end up getting to 180 pretty, pretty fast. Yeah. That, that last 20 minutes or so gets us uh, really all the way to where we want to go. I got a buddy, um, Tom, Tom Rolando's been on this podcast, and, and I built his sauna on the shores of Lake Superior. He's a big fan of, uh, <clears throat> of riding up the first round. He likes getting in there when it's like 120, 130, no more uh, at round one, and uh, have a real long buildup so that by the time he, you know, by the time round one is completed, it's up to 160, 170. And uh, I, I hated that at first. <laughs> I like I like getting in and having a real hot, you know, and just I, I settling like, in. I, I like the hot start, too. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, um, and you know what? We vary it a lot depending on how we're feeling, how, uh, you know, if we've been out skiing all day and we've been sweating and, sure. and uh, you know, aren't real hydrated, uh, we're, we're a little more careful because uh, yeah. not much fun to get the, oh man, that's, uh, steam feels good. Uh, yes, nice. So one thing I notice, in, you know, that's really nice about this smaller hot room is it contains the steam. Uh, it takes takes a lot more steam in, in mine to, uh, to, to really... Uh, it, it hits it you like right this. away. Yeah. You have to watch that. I had a buddy come in here. He was sitting where you are. is more the control center so seat over there, closer to the stove. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, he's used to a larger hot room, much like yours. And he threw a ton of water on him. And it just almost drove me out of here. <laughs> and it drove him out. He had to take off. He was like, "Wow!" But yeah, you you get a you get a quicker, more intense blast. Yeah. Well, so there's there's definitely a learning curve. But um, you know, back to your question. I the minute I looked at that, it was you know I called you and said, "Hey, do you think we can get a kuma this fall? Because I'm ready to go. I'd really like to get started." And. Uh, and thank, thankfully, uh, I don't know what my experience would have been on my own, but but with your call, uh, yeah, Dale Dale took my call and uh, he was able to uh, take care of me uh, as soon as I was able to get up there. And, well, uh, on that note, the loyalty door swings in both directions. Uh, I am I've, I have been a huge promoter of the Kuma stove for close to thirty years. Daryl is a remarkable man. I mean his. Um, his, he's brilliant, you know, his brilliance in the, in the design of this stove. Um, this, this heat brought me back to what I experienced in, in Europe. And, and oh, it's magic. It's, it's, um, it's beautifully made. It, it works perfectly. And, uh, you know, that was, a that was one of the most fun field trips I've ever taken. It was, uh, uh, uh between the conversations with Daryl and Dale, um, who runs the place for him, uh, learned a lot, and um, uh, they had it all ready to go. Loaded yeah. it in my trailer, and uh, yeah, was back in uh, Mainong that that evening. I stopped yeah. and had dinner at the Duluth Grill on the oh, way home. I've been there many times. That's part <laughs> it's of my stopping. It's one of my too. favorite places. Me too. And Me too. Uh, uh, yeah, we burned it that night. Um, Did you burn it outside? Or yeah. Bring it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's funny. I had that not to interrupt you, but I, I have that. I've had that conversation recently where. Um, Breaking in the fire, breaking in the stove 
smart people do what you did. Impatient people, usually, you know, there's such a rush to get to the finish line that, you know, you install the stove and then you burn it off. And, uh, but you, you, you burnt it outside and then... Well, there, and the, the one mistake I made was I didn't put a stovepipe on it. Um, and so it got all sooty in the, in the glass, oh, which is not yeah. hard to clean up, but, yeah. uh, if I had it to do over, I would tell somebody to just, just set the stove pipe on it so that it draws regularly. Interesting. And, and, uh, Good. And that wouldn't happen. But Did you uh, put a damper in your stove? I did. Yeah. And did we talk about that? You're able to contain some heat through that damper? Do you I do you think so. I, I noticed you don't have I don't. one. Yeah. And, you know, my, my procedure is I run the thing wide open for the first 15 or 20 minutes. And, it, and you know, at that point, it's roaring. Um, doesn't take long. I mean, it's actually roaring pretty good in about five minutes. And at that point, then I'll load it up and, and pretty well shut it down. And you um, bring it to just above the click at that point. I bring it to just above the click on the uh, on the intake manifold, and then um, and then I'll also close down the damper on the exhaust. And you know, and this listening here, you can hear the. The, the sound of the air moving through it and when I close that damper uh, that on the on the flu um, that has uh, even even more impact in terms of slowing it down and, yeah and uh, it's counterintuitive you and I have talked is. about that many times and I, I'm uh, I'm still gaining confidence with that but uh, but I'm pretty convinced that um, when, when we're running them harder. And so I, I think my recommendation would be to put a damper on the, on the, on the exhaust flue, um, because I think we're sending a lot of heat up the, up the flue. I'm in agreement with that. I, um, I, I don't know, I'm probably built 10 saunas, each one of which has Akuma in it. And I think I've only done the damper once or twice, and I've never really put any emphasis on it because the stove was built so tightly that the air can be controlled so well through the the intake valve, the intake air intake. Well, when, as soon as you come up and try mine out, I think that, uh, and maybe you've already had this experience. I think it'll change your mind because, yeah. uh, just based on the sound of it, you can tell that it's really slowing down the volume. And yeah. as you know, once these things are burning and are tuned, um, there's nothing but vapor coming out the top. And uh, I think that's a perfect word for it, tuned. Um, I really enjoy tuning and I am very, uh, you can see, you, you, you obviously watch the flame, you're looking for that optimal tuning of, of the burn through your sight, but the sound comes at you too, like when you hear the clicking yeah. of the stove, and that's where the counterintuitiveness is affirmed, because what, I find, what I'll do is, um, much to your style, like I'll, I'll open the ash pan, get the thing roaring for maybe five to ten minutes close the ash pan but leave it open up all the way and and then i couldn't help but wonder when i was when i was reading daryl's instructions if he was uh playing to our male egos because it reminded me of when i got my chemistry set you know whatever you do yeah. don't do this yeah <laughs> so how bad can it be they gave it to kids yeah and so yeah. the yeah. uh he well, advises I, not to run it with the pan Oh, he open. gets mad at me. When I tell him I run it with the ash pan open, he's just about ready to, you know, cut me off. You but, know? but like you, I mean, it, it makes the startup so easy. And, and I'm careful not to, to leave it there for more than, you know, 15 yes. minutes at the most. And often it's 5 or 10. Yeah, just to get it going. Because the, one of the problems is, is if that thing starts getting hungry for air, 
and it's not getting it and the smoke overcomes, it'll put itself out. It's a rare case, but uh, especially because you burn really dry wood. I mean, that's that's a cure for many ills, yeah. um, for all ills, really, um, once you get a fire going. But uh, but yeah, back to the, the senses. So the sound, um, the reason why I, I'm so in tune to the tune of, of a good fire is the clicking. And when I'll come out and it's open up all, all the way, ash pan closed, mm -hmm. you know, making in conformance to the Daryl Lampa standard of mm -hmm. safety, uh, but anyway, I'll tone it down, and uh, and you start hearing that metal expand like crazy yeah, when you start yeah. to contain the airflow yeah. in, in the heat chamber. Right. Um, and well, and the pipe gets hotter. The whole thing gets hotter, and and all you have to do is uh, is go out and look at the exhaust. And yeah. and you know, I have to tell you, <laughs> I've spent enough time in the boundary waters and on the range between my bush flying and canoeing and and dog sledding. That I've heard every story there is to hear, and I, you know, one of one of our favorite things to do up there. My daughter and I uh, go up canoeing every summer, and we Great. go up dog sledding every winter. Wow! And we always plan our trip so that we're in town either on on Wednesday night or Saturday night, so we can go to the public sauna. Yeah, in Ely. In Ely, yes. Yeah. And uh, we. Um, it's interesting, I, you know, you, you hear so many stories and you, you develop a pretty good filter. And so when I was sitting and talking with uh, all the craftsmen at Lampa, I was taking it all in with kind of a grain of salt. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh -huh. um, I have to tell you, I've, I've been just amazed at the performance of that product. I mean, those guys weren't exaggerating one bit, and yeah. that's pretty rare. <laughs> well, that's right, yeah, because there's a lot of um, potential, you know, uh, um, what is that, like fluttering of wings, like seeing yeah. how great this is and that yeah. is. But, you know, it, it is an incredible story when you consider that, <clears throat> and I know the date, Exactly. February 4th, 1996. That is the record for the continental U.S. coldest day, minus 60 degrees Fahrenheit. And that's in Tower, Minnesota. And I know that because um, we bought our cabin, our second cabin on Lake Vermilion in, in 95, 96. And, and uh, the Bank of Tower gave these... Um, uh, um, you know, for getting a loan out of out of the bank, they gave you one of those thermometers, yeah. and it had that on there. You know, cold, <laughs> coldest day on record. So every time I'd look at what what the temp is outside, I was reminded of that day. And you know, you take yourself back to that day. In many days like that, in in winter in Tower, Minnesota, and to know that you know Daryl Lampa and his father were in their garage, like tinkering with the performance of their stove, and and. And not just Daryl and his father, but Daryl and his father and his and his father. Yeah, you have three generations of sauna uh, <laughs> stove makers uh, in the town of Tower that yeah. gets so friggin' cold. Um, you figure that's a I gotta figure that's the perfect environment well, to design. I'll tell you, the the craftsmanship, the, the skill that those guys have in in uh, their their building is just just amazing. I was just thinking to myself, I was kind of giggling that. Uh, if my friend Sherry was here, uh, she'd be rolling her eyes at the way we're wandering around in this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But well, uh, you and I appreciate good craftsmanship, <laughs> you know. And and I, I I help hundreds of people build their own saunas, and 
I can tell, um, hey, everybody wants to save a dime doing this, that, and the other thing. And I'm one of those folks as well. But when it comes to the sauna stove, I... Oh, that's the heart of it. I mean... Yeah. And we build our saunas once, right? Yeah. So Hopefully. If we, yeah. <laughs> unless yeah. we really screw and, it up. <laughs> well, if we, if we screw it up and burn it down, the stove is still standing, right? And I've built a couple airplanes more than once. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But, uh, you know, back to your earlier question. When, when you know, I, I found the building, I called you, we got the stove, I brought the stove home, we burned it off, and uh, Jeff came up with the... With the uh, uh, is it Selkirk? Um, yep, that's stove Selkirk stovepipe uh, the next day, and we got it installed. And you know, we 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 put that stove in before we started anything else, and uh, he re-roofed the building for me around it. But um, you know, that was in October, and we had some cold weather in October. And, uh, you know, we started, the, the, you've seen my sketches, I took yours, and we went back and mm -hmm. forth a few times. And hey, and by the way, those listening, um, if you go on Sauna Times and search uh, for John's sauna, what did I call the name of our guest post? Do you remember something? Yeah, I think something about northern Wisconsin. Yeah, if you search on the right-hand side at Sauna Times, northern Wisconsin, John's uh, sauna is really well is illustrated. By the way... I'm sitting with a great photographer, and you'll see it. You'll see the great uh, photography work that John did uh, showing his sauna. But there's a great photo of what you're describing. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we sketched it out, and uh, we nailed that up on the wall. And uh, I was there every weekend, and Jeff was working while I wasn't there. And uh, uh, everybody and, who and touched that, it. And that, that, sorry, but that sketch was the um, blueprint for the build. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, we uh, we lit that stove and pretty much kept it going for about six weeks while we were in and out of there working. And, and I'll tell you, I, it was just a delight. Every week when it came up and it was a little further along. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, the, the first time I could use it was, um, I think, 10 days after we put it in. Jeff had, he got the, uh, he got the cedar on one side of the of the wall and hung blankets for me <laughs> and i went in and i got that baby up to 170 yeah. degrees yeah yeah and so uh, so the blankets uh, acted as the common wall between the hot room and right. what would be the yeah just room. like they do in our in our yep. lodges mm -hmm. out in the park. and you had plenty of heat did yeah the, yeah the you know the, the kuma cures all hills <laughs> yeah amen to that i uh, i have a similar story i mentioned earlier about tom you know the, the ride it up first round guy he was just like yourself um, uh, uh, in terms of um, that level of excitement. You know, I, he has a 12 by 16, it was a 12 by 16 foot shed, literally on the shoreline of Lake Superior, about oh, five man. miles south of Two Harbors. And he revealed to me he bought the place because of the shed. <laughs> he had that same thought that you had about your 10 by 20 garage. Right. And, uh, and so that, that was the first thing I did there. We built that sauna in phases. And phase one was I ordered all the material from Home Depot to build the hot room. Okay. Uh, the seven by seven hot room within the twelve by sixteen, and um, and it was funny. The Home Depot truck shows up on Old Highway sixty one, and we were all concerned about. Um, we didn't want to draw any attention to the building inspector and the zoning and planning and whatever. Hey, we have a shed. It's been there for a long time. What <laughs> yeah. we do inside our shed is our own business, <laughs> yeah. you know. So there I was, like 
throwing all the lumber down the hill as quickly as I could and get right, that Home right. Depot truck on its way. And then, uh, then I was under the gun to get that hot room built. And Tom would call me and, uh, and had the stove there. And he's like, you got the stove in, you got the stove in. And I said, yeah, the stove, stove is in. He goes, I'm on my way. So he, he <laughs> left the cities and we inaugurated the first sauna, much, much to your story. You know, same, same deal as a makeshift first sauna, but those are great saunas where you start to really feel the space and how it's going to be. Well, and I'll tell you what, what grew out of that. I mean, you remember you and I had uh, many, many uh, more than hour long conversations just dreaming about this. And I was sending you pictures, both, uh, both good ones and iPhone ones. And, and then uh, Sherry and, and uh, Jeff got in on it and started really sharing the dream. And and everybody brought something, mm -hmm. and uh, you know what? What ended up happening was we started really, really living into it as it was coming together, and we found these um, perfect windows, transom windows. And um, in in speaking with you, I had decided to do one transom window in the hot room, and um, and two in the in the relaxing room yeah symmetrically balancing the the hot room door right? yeah and and um and we were going to put uh transom lights on either side of the door that we built and um candle windows and um uh, uh, you know glass in the doors and um as as it all came together we ended up not doing the window in the hot room because uh, yeah. we were getting plenty of plenty of view from the hot room through the candle windows yeah. and through the door and uh, and we ended up strapping the the uh, side lights um, we put in a pretty big um, outside door um, because i really wanted to be able to open it up and have it function like a front porch in the in the summer yes and be able to move enough uh, air through but you know some of those things, um, and I, you know, I'm a real estate developer for a living. I've built a lot of buildings and and probably read plans as well as most people do. And some of that you just can't really experience until you until you are standing there. And um, Jeff made some some executive decisions that turned out to be just brilliant. And Sherry, um, you know, helped us to. To really imagine, you know, what it was, what it was going to be like to gather a group there. Yeah. And um, did um, you read my post about field verification, or we just have another thing in common about? <laughs> I, I, you know, I've spent so much time on the site. I, I don't uh, specifically remember it, but I. Yeah. But well, it, it's been. Hey, I'm not offended. Don't worry about it. But it, but to your point about, I call it, we call it field verification, and it's a great story. I've said it a few times, but. Um, I was the lead builder on the 612 mobile sauna, and um, <clears throat> an architect was brought in, and you know we were sitting at my dining room table with Michael, the architect, and JP, the brain trust and founder of the 612 Sauna Society. And the nice thing about getting three people um, uh, into a project is that there's uh, there's never a tie. Yeah. Yeah. And so you know there was this moment where we were talking about I think actually as I think about it I think it was the the candle window itself. And uh, I was so uh, pleased to hear Michael, the architect, say, well, that's, uh, we'll do some field verification on that. <laughs> and I just jumped all over that term because it's, you said it very well. I mean, this is the beauty of phase build, okay? Yeah, like yeah. you get your hot room done 
and just feel the space. Well, and you know, the, the um, truth of all of this is that the, the sensuous experience invites the imagination. And as Sherry and I and Jeff and his wife were using it all through the build, you know, we kept noticing things. And uh, one of the things that we noticed, uh, you had wisely suggested that we put rheostats on all the lights and use all LEDs. And um, thinking that, you know, we would very much prefer soft light. It'd be nice to have bright light for cleaning and yep. stuff when we're not really using it. But what what we've ended up with, um, Sherry, you know, ended up putting candles in every window. Yeah. And actual real candles. Yeah. And I found these um, uh, beautiful oil lamps um, at uh, Garrett Wade, my favorite tool store in uh, New York. And uh, we put those in the in the candle windows and I'll tell you Glenn the illuminating that warm wood space with candlelight yeah. creates um, a, an atmosphere that is so calming and uh, uh, so romantic uh, that I just I can't believe it yeah yeah so well said you know <clears throat> I, I I'm afraid to even unpack that I'm afraid to even unpack that statement because it's so it's so eloquently perfect um, but w what I have to do is kind of get weird and think hey you know maybe that is uh, something very primal to our ancestry there is no question about it um, you know the and that you know people joke about um, about wood versus uh, infrared. Oh, I'm going to dunk yeah. some water in my head. You want to stand and talk? Yeah, I'm going to dip talking. some more water while yeah, we're... Dip, dip well. in there. In, uh, the, we were talking about the primal of, of the flame. You know, the, that, the warmth of wood, the, the, the flame, um, the whole thing is... Um, I mean, just like standing here in this icy... Yeah night with these 50 mile an hour gusts. Oh yeah, this is a tough one, man. <laughs> the wind chill is hitting us. Now, I filled up that five gallon water bucket, um, what, 15, 20 minutes ago? Yeah. And there's a there's a healthy skim of ice <laughs> on the top. But uh, I dumped that over my head and, um, well, and then I'm feeling that wind and now I'm feeling ice in my hair. Yeah. But the endorphins are rushing. And, that's... and, you, and you're reaching for the doorknob to get back into the changing room. <laughs> and off uh... we go. But I think that's um, that was one of my favorite surprises, and then yeah. uh, you know we've we've kibitzed the th between the three of us about um, uh, all of the fixtures and finishes, and we found these beautifully hand wrought uh, iron hooks, yeah. you know, that we hung on the logs. Can, to... can I interject on that one, John? What is it about iron, like? Bringing in that um, medium into a sauna that's so beautiful. Do you know? Every one of us one? looked at it and just knew it was right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't much analysis, Glenn. Okay, okay, but uh, maybe there's something there. I mean, like the, the that black iron, uh, and that's part of the Kuma stove too. It's just uh, primal. primal, primal, yeah. primal, rocks, iron, wood, yeah, heat, fire, yeah, and then uh, water, Jeff. Uh, brought some uh, cedar, uh, he had some cedar um, poles. That, you want a beer? Are you okay? Uh, you know, I'm a bit, I'll have this water and then I'll be ready for one. Okay, I got Wimpy-ass uh, Miller here and that's, I have some premium in the garage, that's or in the good. house. That's good. Yeah, yeah, sauna beer. Lighter the better. Yeah. 
Just got to stay hydrated. So those of us, uh, those of you listening, still, uh, still listening. <laughs> and, uh, no, I, we get a lot of listeners on Sauna Talk, and it's just so wonderful to build this tribe. Uh, literally build. Uh, these are uh, a tribe of folks that are building their own sauna, wanting to build their own sauna, wanting to take sauna to a deeper level than maybe an infrared light bulb closet or a health club experience. Um, are now advancing. I mean, these are all stepping stones and gateway drugs toward what we, you and I call, many of us call the authentic sauna. And uh, it's just such a great privilege. It really is to have started sauna times with this intention to bring this group of people that want to want to share the, the wonderfulness of the authentic. And we do it through BUILD, you and I. We've collaborated together. We got this BUILD thing going on. But um, those of you listening <clears throat> that are thinking about building a sauna, um, I, I just wanted to frame up this conversation with John. And, and here's a guy who did it. Like, here's a guy who had it in his heart and soul for 20 years, but pulled the trigger. And um, given that, John, what would you like to say to people that are maybe driving right now in their car, listening to this podcast, have an inkling about sauna, uh, maybe been to Europe or maybe, you know, through their health club and want to take it to a deeper level. Can you offer some direction or paths or roads of encouragement? Glenn, you know, I've I've had an opportunity to do a lot of building in my lifetime. It's been my profession and uh, um, building community is, is really my, my personal mission. And uh, I've never, enjoyed a building project as much as I have this uh, sauna and it has really changed our experience of the cabin and in fact it uh, inspired me uh, the the next project uh, you know I just never looked at these buildings this way but I'm, I'm now taking the next door building and turning that into a bunkhouse yeah uh, so that you know the the cabin is becoming a little bit of a camp, yeah. and uh, yeah. and it's a place where people are gathering, and and uh, it's um, you know we've had hundreds of wonderful evenings on the front porch, yeah, uh, and you know this just adds so much to that whole thing. You touched on something that's uh, significant. A lot of uh, okay, so another stepping stone um, when you talk to some people. Oh yeah, I have a sauna. Yeah. And maybe it's in their basement or, you know, underneath the stairway or something like that. Um, The nice thing about this authentic sauna experience is that it's it's, uh, a verb and a noun, meaning you go sauna and you go to the sauna. Right. And the noun part is it's a destination place. And your uh, 10 by 20 former woodshed garage has become... A place, a place of relaxation and um, destination that's separate from the main house. Mm-hmm. And so those thinking about building a sauna, I want to offer this point of liberation and that, you know, this this separate structure, um, uh, you're not going to get in trouble if there's sawdust or tools laying around right. or you gave, you know, you, you, you started and you left it alone for a few weeks. Or if the right? card game goes a little long in the yeah. evening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, the build can, the build is an organic build, right? Right, right. It's not a, uh, a rush job. Right. It's not like you've got to redo your kitchen. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and honestly, we, we were enjoying it the whole time and, yeah. and I think it'll take us a year to get 
all of the details right, and hopefully, we'll, we'll as we gather memories, mm -hmm. we'll, mm -hmm. we'll gather artifacts along the way. Right on. So, any other words of encouragement for anyone uh, thinking about building a sauna? You know, it helps a lot to have somebody to collaborate with, and um, uh, there are a million decisions, and you've asked me a couple of times if there's anything I would do differently, and um, there's not much. Yeah. Um, I, you know, a few tiny things, but uh, um, having somebody to do that with, um, you know, really was a was a big part of the yeah. uh, of the whole experience. Yeah, no, no question. And it's 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 more fun to share that. But it's also, frankly, one of the simpler building projects. And, yeah. And if a guy, excuse me, <laughs> if yeah. a guy has some carpentry skill. There's a lot of opportunity for flourishes, and that's yeah, one of the places yeah. where Jeff really added mm -hmm. a lot to, to my place. Um, the way that he crafted the door handles, and mm -hmm. and the way that he trimmed the windows, and the yeah. cove molding where we yeah. where we uh, brought the uh, the cedar and the hot room yes. to the to the logs. <clears throat> the, um, the phase build allows for that because. Um, you get a functioning sauna, right? Even if it's blankets to a common room and, and all that, you know. Uh, and you and then you can exhale. Yeah. You can enjoy it. And then you can conceptualize, like, you know, what do I want to do next? Yeah. And then what I found it's really great is uh, when you have a functional hot room and that is your tools can still be laying around. And, you know, as a matter of fact, I remember hanging my towel on the on the dewalt <laughs> many a time well if you, you know? look at my pictures uh, that, that you posted actually you can see the progression yeah. of, of uh, relaxing with the tools and materials yeah. and uh, the hot room was the first thing finished we really concentrated on that um you know my favorite things i think i, I really love um, the way the light comes in and the way that we're able to illuminate it with the candles and um uh, you kind of half inspired me on this uh, this idea of actually using sauna furniture in the uh, in the in the relaxing room. But you know, you come out and you're you're sweaty and yeah. wet, and it's yeah. a it can be a wet place. And that turned out to be just yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It continue the vibe. Like I know you're going to uh, to Finland soon. Yes. Um, yes. I when I was over there visiting a zipper factory once we were we were entertained in a in a big sauna and and were served dinner in the relaxing area very cool and uh, was it was there uh makara sausages by chance you know i don't they're, remember they're nuts for that <laughs> yeah. there, there may have been it was... but it makes sense you know like uh the, the saltiness and the protein after a sauna, when you're kind of feeling a little depleted, yeah, <clears throat> it's a nice after sauna. Our favorite thing is to have uh, chicken soup or chili yes. on the stove. Could not agree and more. We come in and we'll have a glass of wine and some yeah. warm soup and bread, and yeah, and uh, that's that's my idea of a perfect evening. Have you been to the Chicago Sweat Lodge in Chicago? No. Yeah, um, Bill Trotter was a guest on Sauna Talk, the general manager down there. And they have a great restaurant and a lot of, uh, you know, Russian-based meals. And they have the Polish pierogies and, and that. But, uh, man, when I go down there, I always get the chicken soup after sauna. <laughs> it is tremendously... Uh, it's, there's something about that. That's, that's good. Well, my, my favorite sauna is the uh, Mülische uh, Volksbad in, in Munich. Um, and uh, 
We have the same experience there. I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity to visit, but uh, I have not. No. It's a, they've got everything from from authentic sauna to, um, and it's built around a uh, a round room with a pool in the middle, and there there are cold pools and hot pools, and um, um, it really is a, a public bath. And uh, how big is the whole structure? Would oh you my guess? Goodness. Like, uh, Geez, big. I mean, yeah. 40, 50,000 square feet. Uh, the, yeah. the bath area is probably, uh, you know, 10,000 square feet. Much like water parks here down like in... in <laughs> well, much uh, more beautiful. I mean, yeah. Beautiful stone. It looks like a Roman bath. Yeah. and yeah. Uh, um, it, But in a way, it's not overly ostentatious. Sure. And, um, you know, we, we would go there and make an afternoon of it and... And then they have a beautiful cafe, you know, where you can sit outside and yeah. and uh, and eat soup. <laughs> Which do you, do you think we'll have one of these in uh, in the United States at some point? Well, I was at um, I was at a spot in Phoenix over the weekend um, where it was cold and rainy, and uh, uh, I might not have otherwise ventured in, but uh, there was a miniature version of it there. Yeah, how was the sauna there? Uh, it was authentic. Yeah. Um, it was a little dry, and they didn't know about uh, about loyalty. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, did, did you bring in your own special water bottle, quote unquote, water bottle? Well, for... happily, they <laughs> had a, a wonderful steam bath there too. Yeah. And uh, and I enjoyed that, just like the the, the wet bath in uh, Ely. Right on. Right on. So the, the thing I have to tell you, be ready yeah. to step in. For yeah. The final Let's keep round? do it. Yep. We got one more round in us. You guys are doing great, staying with us here on Sauna Talk. Um, uh, we, we were, you were going to go in a, um, what was your point there, John? Well, I wanted to share with you a story that, the you know, we've I've been taking a group of girls up to the Boundary Waters, um, for a long time. I, I, I have only one child and happily she's a, um, a lover of adventure in the outdoors. And, uh, we had a wonderful experience. We had a, a an Italian exchange student, Ariana, living with us and, um, I, I took her up to go dog sledding in, in uh, February, and you know she had never experienced anything like Ely in February, and so our first stop was uh, was the uh, public sauna, and there it's segregated. The the men and women are in different rooms, and uh, I was asking the girls if they needed any coaching, needed to know what to do, and of course at at age eighteen they were quite confident they didn't need any advice I had and uh, they wandered in you know wearing their bathing suits and the, and found a room full of uh, you know 50 to 80 year old um, miners wives and loggers uh, wives and and just great hardy boundary waters Ely women you know and these women uh, turned them right around sent them out to get rid of their bathing suits brought them back in and uh and very lovingly, you know, introduced them to, to sauna culture. And uh, the two had just a, a peak experience. They were so giddy when they came out. They were, you know, Dad, I got to tell you about this. You know, it's, it's like it's like when they discovered the Beatles, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so your daughter got really hip to sauna through Ely first. She right? did. She did. And it's then, hot water in there, so careful. She did, and then she... Uh,
she left in uh, uh, September. She went over and spent a good chunk of August with Ariana's family in Italy, and then she. Uh, oh man, that feels good. <laughs> that was a pro blast. <laughs> See, that's oh. just what I'm talking about, John. You throw the amount of water on for your sauna. That's Quite a, a blast. You know, that's a pretty. Uh, that's a that's a pretty good reason to not overbuild the size of your sauna. This is. Uh, I really like the way that doesn't take as much to to bring it up here yeah but it's small kuma and it's only six foot four by six foot three this hot room <clears throat> I built this in 2003 and uh, I just kind of shoehorned it into the garage here um, I'd probably make it a little bigger you know next if I had the empty canvas I put in a transom window but you know you gotta understand and life in 2003 with sauna was different than it is today I was very stealth. I didn't want to have any <laughs> yeah. any windows, any you didn't know, want to have the insurance guy. Yeah, yeah, or anything, you know. But now saunas become more accepted, and uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I got a couple of more. Well, one, but just ahead. to finish, yeah, finish up, up. So my daughter ended up in September moving to Munich, and she spent uh, she was there until Christmas uh, studying German. And uh, the first thing she did was visit the Mühlische. Volksbad, and uh, and really just fell in love with the whole mm -hmm. German experience. Mm -hmm. And so, I Sherry and I had visited her. Um, we'd, we'd met her there when she was coming from Italy and helped her get settled. And and, uh, and we went off and hiked in the Swiss Alps and came back. Wow. And had a wonderful wonderful visit with wow. her, and I got to get reacquainted with with um, you know my German experience. And came home, and I you know I get these. Uh, you know, every other day I'd get a, a, a an I, uh, gosh, what's it called, a FaceTime mm -hmm. uh, message from, from my daughter Eva, and she'd be telling me about uh, how great the German saunas are, and, yeah. and to, geez, Dad, I wish, uh, I wish I could share all this with you, and so, and the, you know, just spur of the moment, uh, went back uh, for the first week of December, and, uh, and spent a week there with mm. her, and uh, that was really fun. And when mm. the most, the, one of the most fun things for me was when Eva came home for the holidays, and uh, uh, couldn't wait to get to the cabin to try out the sauna. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How'd it go? Oh my God, she's just in love with it. Yeah. She's, she thinks it's great. Ah, sounds wonderful. So, your daughter Eva <clears throat> first got exposed to the sauna in in Ely. Yep. And just great experiences every other day in Germany. Well, and I think it really points out what you were talking about earlier. You know, when when I was talking to these girls about, you know, do you want a little coaching? Do you want to understand a little bit about about sauna culture? No, Dad, we, we got this. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been doing sauna forever. And, you know, their experience had been the, the electric health club sauna <laughs> at the YMCA. Yeah. And... Um, um, you know, it's they're no different than anybody else. You know, being introduced into a, a little slower, um, little more sensual uh, experience uh, just absolutely lit them up. And God bless these these wonderful um, older women up at up in Ely who, um, you know, just loved bringing them into the into the into the culture. And I think and sharing that. that. You know, we've we've had um, 
we've been really blessed and we've we've traveled to a lot of Nordic places and uh, one of the things I love about sauna is that it, it is of these places you know this is a uh, this is really a and it's, and it's not just northern European it's it's just northern <laughs> yeah yeah <clears throat> we talked off mic a little bit about the mobile sauna and if you could have a mobile sauna and bring it anywhere 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 you've been anywhere you'd like to go where would you like to bring a mobile sauna and take a sauna well I mentioned to you that that you know the work I do and and really the my my personal mission in life is uh, is building community and um, both both literally physically building communities but but more than that bringing people together in generative ways and uh, I would bring that I and uh, I hope you and I are going to do that um, I would bring it wherever people are gathering anywhere anywhere doesn't a place come to mind that would be kind of fun for you personally? You know, on a day like today, um, you know, anywhere that uh, people are hunkered down from, from the weather. Yeah. Uh, I, I mentioned to you, I, I have a group of men that uh, I spent uh, a long weekend ice fishing with up on Lake Mille Lacs. I, you know, that's probably the first place that comes sure. to my mind. Of, and you know what? I don't think it's been done. I've had this conversation a few times. I'm collaborating with Eric, who's um, building these custom mobile saunas using an ice fish house chassis. Mm -hmm. This is a guy who spent the last 25 years deeply immersed in the ice fishing culture. Mm -hmm. I have never heard nor seen of any, you know, those little ice fishing, they're like little, you talk yeah. about community, they're the little community out there on the ice. Yeah, so you're talking sure about is. a dozen, 15 little ice houses out there. I've never once uh, heard or seen uh, a mobile sauna out on the ice. But, you know, I've seen over and over the way that, um, you know, this just brings people into conversation and into a, a wonderful shared experience. Yeah. And um, so when I say any place people are gathering, you know, the, the, the places that come to mind are places that are rainy and cold yes. and snowy. And, yeah. and uh, um, but I would, uh, you know, I, I can think of a thousand places I'd like to bring yeah. How about this one? <clears throat> if you could have a sauna with anybody, dead or alive, past, present, who's the first person that comes to mind that you'd like to share a sauna session with on the bench? Oh, my father, for sure. I lost him when I was uh, very young. And, uh, you know, if I could uh, have a couple of hours to really get into someone's heart, it would be my dad. Mm -hmm. Well said. Well said. I hear you. I, I, uh, enough, enough said, and I, I appreciate that answer so much. Um, sauna gives us that time together, one-on-one, uh, -on -one, and uh, I couldn't agree more. That's a beautiful answer. Um, knowing sauna like you know, John, and as we know it, um, what do you think is most misunderstood about sauna to the those that maybe aren't as deep into it as you or I? You know, it's not just about getting warmed up and sweating, obviously. I mean, it's, uh, you know, that's that's part of the mechanism, but but the, uh, you know, the experience of uh, that weekly bath of, you know, coming in and really letting down and, and relaxing. And I've always loved the, uh, I think it's Finnish, I, I don't know, it's uh, Northern European, I'm sure, but when 
there's a lot of conversation about what you do in a sauna and um, I think it's the Finns who say that um, anything that's appropriate in church is is what you do in in sauna and uh, you know I just I just think that there's uh, our lives are so damn busy and um, you know, I just last week celebrated my 60th birthday, and uh, I'm still, you know, working just as hard as I ever have, um, still undertaking new adventures. I'm leaving for Japan in a couple of days to, to visit my daughter, who's uh, studying over in Asia. She's actually in China. And um, um, I just relish the, uh, the opportunity to have, you know, this, this really ancient really primal experience that I bet hasn't changed a darn bit, you know, since it started. And, mm -hmm. um, um, you know, there's, we can, we can talk about the science, just like we talk about the science of meditation and of breathing. Um, but as you know, Glenn, there's a, there's an experience that, that really transcends all of that. When you um, <clears throat> wake up in the day, uh, say, say you're waking up in Minneapolis and you're going up to Mainang, to your cabin, and you know it's a sauna day. And when you think about that day, when you think about all the aspects of a sauna session, from when you wake up, the anticipation to getting there. We talked about lighting the stove, uh, round one, round two, the cool down, that great cool down space you have. Finishing maybe with the chili or the chicken soup. As you analyze that whole spectrum of experience, if you had to pick one, what moment stands out as the pinnacle, that <laughs> ultimate, <laughs> ultimate spot of the ultimate moment of a sauna session? You know, it's uh, for me. It's um, um, most often been when I've been. Uh, on the bench with uh, Sherry or my daughter or a close friend uh, and just have, have realized uh, for a minute how present I am and um, uh, you know as you were describing that I just I kept wanting to interrupt you and say all of it um, yeah. and, and frankly you know the I enjoy the cutting and the splitting of the wood a lot of my pals you know would have it dropped off um, but one of the one of the more fun projects that we did was building a new woodshed and uh, uh, and filling it up. And um, you know now our our spring wood cutting season has a whole other meaning for us. And uh, you know it's just really a nice thing that we do. It just adds to mm -hmm. our lives in many ways. So maybe that moment, uh, that one pinnacle moment, or the best of the best, is on the bench. On the bench with a family member or someone you love or so, a, a, a friend, uh, just that moment on the bench. Huh? Yeah, and I think the I think too. You know, we talk about our saunas, our stoves, the number of rounds. You know, how to do the loyalty, how to do the the cold. I can never remember the finish. Oh, Avanto. Avanto. Uh, there's an awful lot of energy that goes into that, and um, you know, I think it was Julie Rice. Uh, who uh, I know from, from your writings, um, and I don't know her personally, but I think she said that uh, she thought sauna saved her marriage. And she said there's just something about, you know, sitting for a couple of, an, of hours, you know, 
undressed or nearly undressed with someone that, that really takes you to a level of connection that's hard to replicate. And uh, that really resonates with me. And I think the, the you know, the, the last thing I'll say about that is that that relaxing room um, is, is really critical to that because when you look at the entire experience um, and how much time we spend there versus here, um, that's a big part of it. And, yeah. and I know that you were kind enough to have breakfast with my neighbor, Chris, who's, who's got a kick-ass sauna going in and, and uh, didn't really know about the, the resting rooms and the, and the rhythm of the whole thing mm. and, and, uh, and was captivated by it when he saw it. Um, you know, I, th I think that may be the least understood part of the whole thing that uh, uh, you can light a lamp and you know be heated that way but that's not what you and I are talking about that's not what this evening has been yeah well said any final words to listeners of Sound of Talk and, <clears throat> and Sound of Times uh... no just uh, you know thank you for for all the all the uh, encouragement that you gave me and for collecting all of this wisdom and uh inspiring all of us who are who are you know regaining it and and uh taking this out of our bucket list and putting it into our lives and um, um yeah i would invite anybody who's going to be in the neighborhood to uh check in with me and uh, and come by and, and experience this wonderful that's a very warm and generous offer and careful, careful about that one. <laughs> careful with that. I think we're going to have a, a, a box on Airbnb. I'm soliciting to the uh, Airbnb corporate uh, entities to have a box for authentic sauna that one can check if they're listing their properties on Airbnb. So we'll see, John. All right. Thank you very much. <laughs>